Our scripture reading today is from Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Lord God, we thank you for bringing us here today. Now I just pray that you would open our ears to hear from you, that you would open our hearts to receive what you have for us today, and that you'd use the words from my lips to not be simply thoughts from my own brain, but be from you and to speak right to where you people are in a supernatural way, Lord. Would you reach your people? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You all look so good out there. You're all in the sun. It's nice. It's still shady up here in the front. Uh, getting a little warmer. You know, I was thinking a lot, praying a lot about this sermon, and I thought I was done with it on Thursday. I, I thought I was ready, and then this morning I woke up and I did one of those pastor things. Where I was like, you know what, there's another piece here where if they don't get this part, if, if God doesn't reveal this part to us, then, then the rest of this just won't even make any sense. And we're doing this sermon series, and it's about loving our neighbors as ourselves, the second half of what Jesus commands us to do and what Jimeline read. And it got me thinking about this. And did you know that there's Bible verses that scare pastors? It's true. So I'm going to read for you a Bible verse that, that scares me when I think about it, that it scares me when, I, when I'm in my prayer life and I read it. And this is what it is. This is Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And this is where it becomes scary. Verse 22, For many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I will pause for the motorcycles. Pause for effect. Verse 23. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. As a pastor, this is, this is a scary verse. This is a verse that you read and, and it's like, what does this mean? It means at the end of time, there will come a time where it is just you and it is Jesus and there'll be no one around you. And the reason that's scary is because I think so many of us are used to leaning on other human beings during our entire time on earth, our entire spiritual walks. We've been, we've been linked arm in arm with someone else and, 
and it's kind of like, oh, that's my super spiritual friend. And, and maybe we're going to do this, this church event together, and I'll let, I'll let Leela plan all the churchy stuff, and I'll just do the fun stuff, because she, she's really good at that. But she's not there at the end of this passage. Do you get what I'm saying? It's just, it's just one person. It's just you. You can't look around for the answers. Your spouse will not be standing next to you. Your children will not be nearby. And what terrifies me as a pastor is the thought, the thought that some people that have been in my church over the years will turn around and they'll look for me. They'll turn around and they'll look for me. They'll be like, certainly, Pastor John knows what to say right now. Because that's what I've done during my Christian walk. I've looked for the, for the people that I feel like are the experts. And I've looked around and, and maybe they'll know what to say. But this verse tells us that they're alone. And, and don't, don't water it down. When, when we read this, I, I want to water it down right away. That, that's, where, that's where I'm at. I want to say, well, certainly these are the people that they're not uh, really regular churchgoers. Or, or they're, they're kind of nominal Christians or whatever you want to say. You know, they'll, they'll, say, uh, they'll say to God, Lord, Lord, didn't we go to Christmas worship sometimes with Grandma? You know, that's what I, that's what I want to feel that they're saying. Didn't, didn't we, like, show up every once in a while? Or, or Lord, Lord, I, I believed that you created everything. I believed that you were a creator God. I, I was a theist. I believed that God existed. I wasn't an atheist. Isn't that, isn't that enough? But what the people say and why this hits so close to home is that they, they say really important, really powerful things. They say, Lord, Lord, we, we were prophets in your name. We drove out demons in your name. We performed miracles in your name. And Jesus still says to them, I never knew you. I knew your wife. I knew your husband. I, I knew them. I, I know your kids. I know them right now. I certainly knew your grandmother, that, that great pillar of faith in your family. I knew grandma. But Jesus says, I never knew you. And when that day comes, and, and this may sound harsh, I hope, you, I hope you don't take this as a harsh statement. I hope you take this as, as words of love. But when that day comes, you can't look around for the answers. You can't look around to see uh, who else is still behind you. You've been, you've been leaning on this other person to be your spiritual champion your entire life. And you've kind of hitched, hitched your wagon to the right uh, power wagon. And, and they're pushing, pulling you along. And, and you think, my spiritual life is on fire but they're not going to be there. So when it comes down to it, it is you. And that's what scares me. And, and I think to myself, I, I, I read this and I think about the words of Jesus and I think if we admit this important thing, then we can easily go on with our lives thinking, well, certainly I thought the right thoughts. Certainly there was other people around that that I was better than, you know, I, I, I could look out and see uh, how other people, you know, treated others or whatever, and I wasn't them, but, but we missed the point of where we are, and, and this is why I bring it up. 
Because as we enter into and we're in the second week of the sermon series about loving our neighbors, it's something that Jesus commands us to do. And in this verse, notice what Jesus says. He says, not everyone that will say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of the Father. And Jesus is asked in Matthew 22, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And he replies in a twofold answer, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbors as yourself. When I was in college, I met this wonderful woman that I eventually married. And she's sitting over here. And uh, when we started dating, we, we started spending just a ton of time together. I don't know how your relationships have been, but, but we just wanted to know everything about each other. I, I wanted to know about her family. I wanted to know how about herself. I wanted to know how that all worked together. It was just, it was intriguing. And I remember sitting in the student center of the college we were at, and we would stay up till, no kidding, like three, four in the morning. And we had class the next day, and it was a terrible idea, but, but we were falling in love, right? And, and we spent this time together. We spent this energy uh, kind of investing in each other, and eventually our love grew, and I asked her to marry me, and I'm lucky that she said yes, and I still feel lucky. That's good. There's some nods. Yeah, yeah that's good. Thank you. Thank you for the approval. Uh, and she bought us donuts today. So, you know, this is good. But why did she say yes? Did she say yes because there was one time that I told her that I loved her? That probably factored in. It wasn't just one time. But that probably factored in, right? But, but that's not enough. That's not enough to say yes to this kind of question. If you don't see evidence of that in someone's life and someone's actions and how they treat you and how they, they walk alongside you and how you mutually love each other, you will not say yes or you shouldn't say yes. Please don't. It's that, it's that we lived this life alongside each other for a season and, and there was the little things. There was the everyday actions. There was the times where she was having a hard day and, and I was there and I listened to her and I listened to how the day went. There was the times we were walking up and, and I held the door open for her and there was the times that, that I gave her little small gifts that said nothing more than I was at one point today not near you and I thought of you and I bought this little thing. <laughs> right? It was those moments, that, that building up that is why she said yes, right? But yet we read scripture and the simplest commands come from Christ and he calls us to love God and then he tells us to love our neighbors. And sometimes it's like we're not taking them seriously. It's like, it's like we get the theological part, we get the part where it later goes on and and the Good Samaritan story, and who's my neighbor, and it's kind of everyone's my neighbor. Uh, but then we go home, and then we see the person that literally lives next door to us, and, and there can be hate in our heart, or disgust in our heart, or we can look at them uh, from a high place, and, and we can judge. 
but they're right there. And Jesus said to love them. And then Jesus says that anyone that does the will of the Father is the ones that will come to me. So as I mentioned, we're in the second week of this sermon series. It's called The Art of Neighboring. It's based on a book with the same title, and the subtitle of the book is Building Genuine Relationships Right Next Door. So that's the whole point, and and, and this week, for the rest of this, I want to focus on what I think is the number one excuse that we at least tell ourselves of why we don't do that, and I'm calling it the time barrier. The time barrier is this thing in your own head where you think you're so busy that certainly I'm, I'm too busy to love the people that live near me or, or maybe even know their name, maybe even recognize their faces. If I saw them at the post office, I wouldn't even know who they are because I'm so busy, because there's so much going on in my life that I have, I have no time for this. I have no time, quite frankly, I have no time to listen to the commands of Jesus and what he tells us to do because I'm so busy. I'm so busy will not be the right answer when it's just you and Jesus. You will not be able to say, I was so busy, Jesus. You don't understand. You told me to to be active. You told me to live out my faith. You told me to do these little things to prove that I loved you. But I was so busy. Work. There was a lot of work to be done. I left my home early in the morning. I, I scrambled to get ready in the morning. I left my home and, and, I, and I swung by the school and I dropped off the kids on the way. And then, then I rushed off to work and, and I was busy with my body and I was busy with my mind. And, and I was just doing other things all the time. I was so busy. And then, then finally I had a small break and, and I ate the quickest lunch possible right at my desk. And, and I was so busy. And then I, I rushed home and I picked up the kids and I collapsed on the couch and I self-medicated by watching a ridiculous amount of television in a row. And I just kind of numbed my own brain with it. And then I was so busy that I fell asleep. And then I woke up the next day and did it. And I did it for decades. You know, not that long ago, You would have thought I was crazy if I told you that you could ride in a car and make a phone call at the same time. Just like, not even, I mean, not that long, like 20 years ago, uh, it it would have been kind of a crazy thing. And then what if I told you that while you were making that phone call, hopefully you're not driving, while you're making that phone call, you could also send an email and receive one while you're on the call. You could take it off, you could put it on the speaker, little thing, and you could send an email at the same time. You would think I was crazy if I would tell you that there's devices that you could record your favorite TV shows and watch them whenever you felt like it. And skip the commercials altogether. Who has time for that? We don't have time for the commercials anymore. So we're going to record it, and then we're going to skip it. I'm going to watch it only when it's convenient for me. And better yet, I can just have another thing, and it would just bring it up on demand whenever I want it, only my favorite ones. And, and part of what you would think, if I were to travel back in time and tell you this, you would say to yourself, what will I do with all my spare time? This sounds like some utopian future. 10-hour work weeks, 
will come to mind. How good will my golf game be? If, if I can get all this work done this quick, oh, this sounds amazing. But the reality is, we've just piled more tasks on top of more tasks. We've just become busier. We've just become more rushed. We've just become more obsessed with accomplishing things, with doing things, with, with feeling like at the end of the day that we did something of value, something tangible, something we can lean on. And, and our calendars are more full. And we live our lives at warp speed. And we fancy ourselves champion multitaskers. And we put our heads down and we plow forward. Now maybe you're retired. Maybe you're retired and, and part of you is thinking, I'm so glad I got away from that. I remember that. That's, that was terrible. I'm glad I've got away from it. I'm glad I'm, I'm able to like kind of breathe now. And I, and I live up in the mountains and it's wonderful and I'm able to breathe. But I asked you this, take an honest look at your life? Has your calendar really freed up that much? Do you really have this margin of time that would allow you to love your neighbors as yourself? That would allow you to look towards other people? Or have you traded one kind of busyness for another kind of busyness? Maybe your body is not as busy now. Maybe you're not going all around, but your mind, your mind is so busy. You might have time in your everyday actions, but you don't have time and space in your own mind. Rushing, rushing, rushing. Thinking, thinking, thinking. Now, I believe that one of the healthiest people or the healthiest person that ever lived is Jesus Christ. And when we look to Scripture, we read in John 10.10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, that doesn't mean busy. That doesn't mean fill it up. That means have it with a sense of abundance. They will have an abundant life, a good life, a meaningful life. And I think Jesus modeled this for us. Just a few examples in Mark 10, Jesus is walking along with his disciples. He's going from one place to another. He has a schedule. He has a plan. He's walking along, and a blind man yells to him. And he yells to Jesus to have mercy on him. And Jesus doesn't tell him, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to pause right now. I'm, I'm traveling along. I have, I have stuff to do. I'm the Messiah. I have, I have a lot to accomplish. And, and Jesus knows his days. Do you ever think about that? Jesus, he should be in a rush. If anyone had a right to be in a rush, his ministry is not that long. And he knows where it's going. But he pauses with the blind man. And he heals him. Right there on the side of the road. Later on, also in Mark 10, Jesus is there and, and people keep bringing children to him. 
And the disciples, they're getting annoyed by this. They're getting annoyed by what's going on. And the people are bringing children, but Jesus sees something different. He sees this as some kind of pressing matter right now. And he welcomes the children onto his lap and he sits with them. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus is called to heal the daughter of an important official. And he's traveling again and he's going there and he has an important thing to do. He's going to heal this daughter. And this is, this is the story where while he's walking, he, he feels that someone touched him. And he turns around and there's, there's a woman with many, many health problems. And once again, he stops. He has time and he heals her. Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. A heart of wisdom. I think that sounds good. I would like a heart of wisdom, but how do we get there? According to the psalm, teach us to number our days. Know our own limitations. Know what it means to be a human right now. Know what we're capable of. Know how much time we have. Know how much energy we have. Know how much effort uh, we're able to put into things. And if we do, we will have a heart of wisdom. So there's three takeaways I have for us. The first one is this. Make the main things in your life the actual main things. Center your life on what is actually important. And, and sometimes people will talk about this, and I'm sure you've seen it, and they have large rocks, and then they have medium rocks, and they have sand, and, and they tell you to put the, put the big rocks in the jar first, and it all fits, and it's a great analogy. But even in my own life, I've often thought about that, and I thought, what are the large rocks? Well, it's, it's my faith. It's my family, you know, these things, right? But those large rocks shouldn't just be your faith. We need to look at the commands of Jesus Christ that he puts on our lives and make those the rocks. So when Jesus tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves, that's not pebbles. That's not sand in the jar that maybe fits and maybe doesn't fit. We need to make these the rocks, not just, not just our faith kind of in a generic way, but our faith in the specific commands that Jesus gives us as his disciples. This is how they will know that you were my disciples, if you love one another. That is a rock that needs to be in that jar. Love your neighbors as yourselves. That's another rock that needs to be placed in there. Last Sunday, as, as God likes to do, I got a chance to practice what I preached, literally. So we had the first week of this series, and I got home, and it was about noon, and I was ready to kind of settle in to a, to a lazy Sunday afternoon. And I pull up, and Susan is, is currently in the driveway. We drive separate because I was here early. And she's currently in the driveway by her car talking to one of our neighbors. And, and I thought, well, I'll walk over and talk. You know, I'm not going to just rush inside, not have, it, not have time. Sometimes I have some wisdom. And, and this was one where... where Quite frankly, I'm like, Susan's going to be frustrated if I just walk inside. So I'll go be social with the neighbor, right? Keep the wife happy. 
Not really. I want to talk to her. She's a nice lady. But hopefully, is she here? No. <laughs> um, so I talked to her, and then we noticed that about four houses down, these neighbors that we haven't got a chance to meet yet are out doing the yard work because, you know, it's that time of year out here. They're out raking pine needles. So uh, they had moved in, I think, sometime in the winter, and we just we haven't met them yet. But I really wanted to go inside and have a lazy Sunday afternoon. But I didn't. I did. You can be proud of me. I didn't. We walked over there. We introduced ourselves. It was really pleasant. They apparently have children uh, near the same age that we do. Uh, they're part-time people. That's why we haven't seen them that often. Uh, they said they were there all the time, but I didn't see any cars. I don't know. Uh, so, so we got to meet these people next door. And, and part of it is just that willingness to, to put in the time to put in the effort, even on those long days. But if you wear yourself so thin in your everyday lives, if you don't have those margins in your everyday life, you will not be able to love your neighbor as yourself. And my last one here is to be interruptible. Be someone who is okay with being interrupted. Now I can see in some of your eyes that that sounds awful. It's, it will feel bad at first. <laughs> as, as you practice this, it will feel uncomfortable. It will feel unnatural to, to be okay with, with stuff coming up in your life, especially for those of you who are planners, those of you that like to know exactly what's going to happen when. But we need to have these spaces. And, and I don't know why they did it, but last week we talked about the Good Samaritan uh, story that Jesus tells, and this is to answer the question of who is my neighbor. And there's the man on the side of the path, and he's been robbed from, he's been beaten, he's been basically left for dead. And the first two that walk past him is a priest and a Levite, right? And they walk past, and we're told in Scripture that they saw him. I, I don't know if I missed that somewhere along the way. Like, I always kind of Gave them too much, maybe the benefit of the doubt. I thought, well, maybe they didn't see him. That Maybe they weren't looking. Maybe their eyes weren't open to what God was doing. No, we're told that they saw him. They saw this person in need. And we're not told why, but we are told that they didn't give the time. That they didn't give the energy. That they didn't give the effort. That they didn't invest in that person. They didn't help bring him back to wholeness, back to restoration. And we are told that the Samaritan does, and that is lifted up as our example. And then Jesus asked the question, who was the neighbor to the man in need? And realistically, it was the one that probably lived the furthest away. That probably had the least in common. But it was the one that had the time that had the energy, that had the effort to invest in someone else. So I'll end with this. It really just brings up a couple simple questions in my mind. The first one is this. It's, am I living at a pace that allows me to be available for other people? And if not, are all these other things that I keep myself busy with, are all these other things really more important than what Jesus directly commanded us to do 
that Jesus commanded us to love our neighbors? Are all these other things really more important than that, that we are filling ourselves with?